Well, fantastic, fantastic day today. We're starting a new series, or we're starting actually a mini-series within the big series of On Fire. And uh, there's a sense in which it started two weeks ago, because Jess, Jess preached two weeks ago, did a great job. And then um, Pam's brother-in-law, John Alley, came last week, and amazingly, you know, Pam came up to me afterwards and says, I just can't believe how well that flowed in with our theme. And I said, you could almost think there was a God, couldn't you? And so, uh, oh, just quietly, just on what Andrew said, Anne and I would just like to go on public record and say we're not next, okay? Just in case there was any thought that we might chip in a little bit more, not going to happen. So the series we're starting today is looking at how we as the church outwork the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. So we've got some here. So baptised with the Spirit and fire. And don't worry about the preaching part because you'll understand that in a minute. We're going to go straight and look at Acts chapter 1. And this is kind of the starting place. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And uh, Cam, if you could throw up that verse in the middle, or wherever you would like to throw it up. Uh, not that one, the, the, the composite one. This verse is an interesting verse. I... I I believe in some respects this is the, like the centre of the Bible, if you like. That up until this point, that the world had basically travelled in an Old Testament mode. But, but this point, this day, this time, this verse, brought about a change in the world forever. And, and I wanted to go back and look at it because there's, there's a little word I wanted to... Uh, to pick out, and this is just reading back a little bit further from, from verse 4. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus. Remember, Jesus met with his disciples for, for many days after he had risen from the dead. And it said that he spoke about the kingdom of God to them. And so as he's talking about this concept of the kingdom, he was eating with them and he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. I want you to, to, to lock that word promised or indeed the word promise away in your thoughts today because we're going to come back and visit it at the end. But just, just, just tag that away, just tuck that away in your thoughts, that which the father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Dumb question. Irrelevant question, but Jesus just lets it slide. Don't you like that about Jesus? Has anyone here ever asked Jesus a dumb question? Only for the Lord just to let it slide. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, that's a really dumb question. He just lets it slide. And in this case, he lets it slide. He said, no, it's not for you to know about these things. The reality was... He was never going to restore the kingdom to Israel. That, that was done. He was moving on and the kingdom was going to take a whole different shape. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your church. God, 2,000 years ago, a group of men gathered and women gathered in an upper room and the world changed forever. Because a group of men and women who could know God suddenly could experience God on the inside and be changed from natural people to supernatural people by the power of your spirit. We thank you for it, Lord. Father, as we open up this series over the coming weeks, as we open up your word, God, I ask that you would burn within us like fire. And God, that our hearts would be strangely warmed as you explain the scriptures to us through your servants. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go back to the, the screen. There's, a, there's another verse in Acts chapter 4 that like bookends this. And I want, to, I want to put them both together because as we see these two, these two accounts, Acts chapter 1, Jesus speaking, Acts chapter 4, the church really first encounters persecution for the first time, we find two verses that are bookended that give us this thought absolutely completely. So what had happened is Peter and John had gone up to the temple in Acts chapter 3, and I think we're probably going to look at that as we go along the way, but I just want to touch on a few points. They'd gone up to the temple as, as was their normal habit, and as they were going into the temple, you remember the story, there's a lame man, man lame from birth, lying in the doorway asking for arms, and Peter says to him, we don't have any money to give you, but what we've got, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and to the man's surprise, and possibly even to Paul, uh, Peter and John's surprise, and to everybody in the temple's surprise, this guy who had been lame from birth and never walked, jumped up and walked. Now, that's got to get your attention. Don't you agree? It, it got the man's attention, got Peter and John's attention, and it got the attention of everybody that was there. And so... They got, they, got, you know, they got arrested, they got beaten up, slapped around, don't do that anymore, don't talk about Jesus, don't do this, don't do that, don't do... And they sent them on their way, interestingly, because they said, we can't deny that a miracle's taken place. If we do anything more to these guys, the crowd's going to get violent and we're going to be in trouble. So they sent them out. So they go back to the church that's gathered, probably, I don't know, 3,000 or more at that stage, and they begin to give a report of what happened and then this is the response of the church. And so they pray, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so we find that, that this... Uh, and, and is there another verse after that or are we just... Okay, and after this prayer meeting, the place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they preached the word of God with boldness. There's this pattern here that I, I want us to get into our heart as we move forward in this series and that's this threefold pattern, shaken, filled and effect. The Bible says that after they prayed, the place where they met was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word in boldness. Now, this is the measure. This is how, if you want to ask, have I been touched by God's Spirit? 
I'll ask you this question. Has your world been shaken? Now, your room might not be shaken, but it might. But the thing is, if God's Spirit comes and touches our lives, our world will be shaken. Because there's things in our life that need to be shaken. Amen? And so when God's Spirit comes, our life is shaken. Things that were priorities cease to be priorities. Things that we would never think to attempt in a million years, all of a sudden we're stepping out in boldness because there's there's a supernatural change that comes. So shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and then there was an effect. Every time you read in the New Testament where it says people were filled with the Holy Spirit, there's always an effect because we heard them speak in tongues just like we did at the first or because they prophesied or because they spoke the word with boldness. So as we move forward in this series and, and, uh, and all of the guys that get up and preach, they're going to come and preach an aspect of this filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and I, would, I would like to present or, or to offer a model that we could, we could take forward as we say, God, is this part of my experience? Have I received what the Father promised? Has my world been shaken? Have I been filled? Is there a discernible effect or change in my life from here to here as a result of this filling? And if it's not, it may be time to ask again, yeah? It may be time to believe the promise again. Okay, so let's, let's go forward. So we see, see four things here. We've got a few more. I did have three until last week. And then John came along and gave me a fourth, which really is obvious. If you read that passage, the next verse says, and everybody didn't think what they had to be their own. And they began to share with one another. So it's a really obvious thing. So we, we see in this passage, we see preaching, healing, signs and wonders and community as outworking of the Holy Spirit's presence with them. And so this morning, I'm going to start and open up this concept of preaching and what it, what it means. Okay, so if we can just go to the next scripture. The first thing I want to say is in church life, we have changed the focus of this verse. Um, May we preach the word with boldness. And it's become something that we tend to do on a Sunday morning and a certain individual does on a Sunday morning. And then if somebody was to ask us in church life today, tell me what happens with preaching you would most likely say, well, some dude gets up on Sunday after the singing and the offering's collected. And, you know, there might be some other things in there. Maybe a baby dedication one day. Uh, if you go to an enlightened church, there's four minutes of family investment time. But, you know, there's a range of things that happen. And then at the end, some, some guy gets up or some woman gets up and they read the Bible and they speak out of it. And we call that preaching. That's not what it was in the beginning. That's um, like to quote the Bible, that's, oh, how far you have fallen. You know, this is second best. And I want to just spend a couple of minutes from Luke chapter 24 and talk about what we are doing today and now, right now, is about. So you remember the story, it was shared a couple of weeks ago, I think, from Luke 24, the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Who, who shared that message? Was that Graham? Okay, and so there's, there's three key verses in this passage in Luke that I want to pick out. So Luke chapter 24, verse 27, 
and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I believe this is the part that we do on a Sunday morning. We stand up, we open the Bible, and to a degree, with the Holy Spirit's help, we explain the scriptures, our part. You know, so I come, I explain the scriptures, my part. The next two parts are the Holy Spirit's part. So let's, let's look. So Jesus says, and it goes on, they ask themselves, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's one thing to have the scriptures explained. It's another thing to have them opened. And when scriptures are open to you, you begin to see the things that are hidden in there that you are not straight away discerned. And it's almost like, you know, eyes are opened supernaturally. Like Paul at Damascus, it says something fell from his eyes and he could see. I don't think that was just he could see people around him. He could see where his life had been up until now and he could see that he'd been wrong and this was right. Because the Bible says immediately he began to preach that Jesus was the Son of God. Something that he would never have done before. Something opened to him. And then the third one, this is the third action of the Holy Spirit. So it's a little bit further on. And it says, and then talking about that he was, Jesus had come back and joined the disciples. And then it says, and then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. That's something only the Holy Spirit can do. We can explain. The Holy Spirit opens the Scriptures to it and then he opens our mind to understand it. And so this is all about what happens on Sunday, but it's not what preaching's about. But there's one verse I wanted to to highlight here, which I love. It's Jeremiah 20 verse 9. It says, But if I will not mention his word or speak in his name, his word in my heart... It's like a fire. Shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. This is my heart's desire for all of us here. That God's word would become such like a fire in our bones that it's impossible to keep our mouth closed. We have to talk about Jesus. The things that that God is opening up into our mind and our understanding, we can't help but go, you've, you've got to hear this. You know, what'd you do on, what'd you do on the weekend? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. And out it comes, you know. Okay, so let's, let's go forward. So what we see in the Scriptures is all the believers went preaching. In Acts chapter 8, this is just after Paul had terrorised the church and a great persecution. Uh, Stephen had been killed. Great persecution comes on the church. It says that all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. How many believers did it say? All. Okay, can I have a hand of the believers in the place today? (laughs) I'm I'm thinking some of you are scared of having to have to preach after this. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm a believer anymore. This could get dangerous. But look what it says there. It said, but the believers, how many? all of them, who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Where do you want to preach? On church, in church on Sunday? No, 
too limited. What's being offered to us is to preach about Jesus wherever we go, wherever we go. Now, what is that, what is that about? You know, um, I just want to, I think this is the place I want to stop. The trouble is I get away from my notes and I don't re- remember where I'm up to. But I'm, I'm pretty sure this is good. Uh, what, what do we preach about? It's really interesting. I, I heard Andy Stanley say this one day and, it, and it, it was like one of those moments where you go, oh yeah, I never thought of that before. Jesus preached about a whole bunch of stuff right throughout his, you, know, you remember, you, you, we've all read the Sermon on the Mount and all that jazz, you know, this, you know, two shirts and give one away and all that sort of stuff. But when you look at the book of Acts, you never find the apostles preaching that stuff. It's like it's not become irrelevant because it's not irrelevant. We know that. But it's not crucial. Or it wasn't important at the time or for whatever reason. You go back and read it. You start reading through the opportunities for the, the, the disciples and the apostles to stand up and preach in the book of Acts and they never mention that stuff that Jesus talked about and I've got a theory on this in Psalm 24 it says who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who may go up to his holy place only those with a clean hands and a pure heart who've not lifted up their soul to falsehood or told lies so all of those people can you please stand up right now excellent that's a biblical response because Romans says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, yeah? So we know from Psalm 24, who can go up to the presence of God? Essentially, no one, except for Jesus. And then we find Jesus coming and he's preaching about, you know, do this and love your brother and love somebody else and do this and, and you know, commit adultery. If you've ever thought about a woman in lust, you've committed adultery with her. Jesus came and ramped up the things that we struggle with and he took it to a maximum level. So he was leaving us in absolutely no doubt that we, have, we are totally unable to fulfil the word of God by our own strength. No doubt, no doubt. So he says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, there's a, day, there's a promise coming that's going to take you from being unable to being able because you're going to receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be able to do things you've never done before. You're going to be able to do things and see miracles take place that are going to open eyes. And There's, there's one, I, I shot Pam, I don't know if you got, did you get my, t- remember we were looking at that verse in Acts about Aeneas and Paul had healed him? And I found it for you. But listen to this. Aeneas, Aeneas was a man that was crippled in, uh, I think it was Litter or Joppa or one of those places in, I think it's in Acts chapter 8 or 10 or something. And Paul healed him. And the Bible says that everybody in town got saved. Like that is maximum return for your labour, yeah? Everybody in town Believe the Lord. That's amazing. And 
if, if your heart's not stirred to see that kind of thing return to church, then just quickly take your pulse and see if you maybe just slipped into the presence of the Lord already. Because we need, we need to see that kind of change. I want to ask you one question. Have any of you got relatives that you'd love to see enter the kingdom of God? Just slip up your hand. Yeah. And if you really love them, stick it up a bit higher. Because I've got some of those relatives, you know. That. Then we can't, afford, we can't afford to stay the same. Do you agree? If, if we've always done, no, if we always do what we've always done, we will always get what we've always got. And so if we're, if we're happy to live in pre-Acts 1-8 life, we will always get what we've always got. If we're happy to move forward, and which we're going to do over the next few weeks, we, we're going to see some change, yeah? Now, that was the easy part of the message. Here's the hard part. I'm not sure I can do this. Anybody with me on that? I'm, I'm, I'm scared. See, Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, that's easy. I can live there. But Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's hard. I'm not, I'm, not sure I'm, I'm not sure I'm courageous enough to take that step forward. I'm not sure, I've, I'm not sure I can take that step forward. I'm not, sh- I'm not even sure I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Have I believed in Jesus? I, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. You know, I'm just trying to capture all the possibles that might be going through your mind at this moment. So for the rest of this message, I want to talk about how we can approach this, not only today with the concept of preaching, but as we move forward with the rest of this series, how we can maybe take an approach that we go, okay, here's a problem. This is what we want to look like. So now here's the destiny, this is what we want to look like, here's the problem, we don't look like that. So how do we move from here to there? Is that okay? So Jess Jess actually gave us this when she preached a couple of weeks ago and I've just made them all start with one letter so it's easier to remember, it's just a thing. So she talked about faith and then baptism of the Spirit and then walking it out and I decided to make them all start with F because that was the only word I could work out any way of doing it. So she said it begins with faith and that, remember I said promise at the beginning? I said tuck it away. Jesus said, in a few days from now, you're going to receive what the Father promised, that you'll be filled with power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The start of this is we begin to respond in faith to the promise. Uh, In Corinthians, it says that all of Israel had the same promises delivered to them, but it didn't profit them because they never mixed it with faith. So what I'm going to ask you to do over the next few weeks as we approach this series is say, I'm going to mix this with faith when I see a promise. Because sometimes we we sit in, in church on Sunday and it's like we go, yeah. And Monday, you know, and then Sunday, yeah, back to normal. And then Sunday, yay, and then back to normal. What I want to ask you to do is when you go, yay, at that top point, say, I'm going to mix it with faith. I'm going to say, not only is this a great idea, 
I'm going to enter into it. I'm going to believe God that when he said it was for everyone, for you, for you and for your children and your children's children, and for as many as are far off. In other words, so I'm going to extend your generation to the nth degree right till I come back and anybody that fills in, is in that group, this promise is for. So long way of saying you're included. You're included. This promise is for you. You can mix it with faith if you want to because God has made this promise to you. Okay, so then it's a matter of calling on the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want to move from here where I am to there where I know I need to be and I can't do it, according to Acts 1.8, I can't do it unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. See, because if the Bible says, and you will receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, if it hasn't fully come upon you, surely the logic is you won't receive power or the power won't be full. They said, stretch forth your hand. God, come and touch us that we might speak boldly. We might heal people. We might do miracles. And the place where they met was shaken. Who's ready to have their world shaken? Anyone? Like any, any master chef... Any, any Master Chef aficionados here? Who watches Master Chef? It's just me and Anne and Rachel, uh, me and Anne and Gail and um, Abby and Jonah, who, who refer to it as the cookers. But George Columbaris, who's one of the cooks on there, he's got this thing that he says all the time boom, boom, shake the room. So is anybody ready to have a boom, boom, shake the room moment where the Holy Spirit is the one that does the shaking? Anyone? If you don't like that phrase, just let it slide by. It's not that important. Okay, let's move on. So what we see is that the key to this preaching is to be a witness. Now, I looked up this word witness and I got a rude shock at the beginning, I must say. You know what the word witness is literally in Greek? It's the same word from which we get our word martyr. Yeah, won't be putting your hand up that quick now, will you? <laughs> but that, that's what it's come to mean, but that's not what it meant. See, in the Greek, I can't, I can't pronounce it, but it looks like, it probably looks like martyr with os on the end of it, which is typical to Greek. You know, if you want to speak Italian, just find your favourite word, stick an O on the end of it. Hey. <laughs> hey. It's okay. Um, so, what it says is that when you receive power, you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you'll have the ability to say what you've seen and heard. Um, Peter says at one point, God raised him from the dead and we are all witnesses to this. In other words, we were there and we saw it with our own eyes. So to be a witness, you're either an eyewitness, yeah, eyewitness testimony, or... You're an ear witness. You heard something in the first person. Now, what, and this is really interesting. Remember the story of the seven sons of Sceva? We, we command you in the name of uh, Jesus who Paul preaches, come out. And the, devil, the demon said, yeah, that's just hearsay. Anybody like cop shows and lawyer shows on TV? 
how many of you know you can't enter hearsay evidence into court? In other words, it can't be something you've heard somebody else say about somebody else saying something. You know, it's got to be first person witness. It's got to be, I heard Jesus tell me. Or I heard this happen. Or I saw, I saw the guy go into the house and come out with the TV through the window, which is not the normal way you exit a house with a television. But there you go. So we find in Acts 19 and 20, these guys are up, up against the, the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. They said, now listen, we don't want you speaking in the name of Jesus anymore because we don't like it. And so they said to, said to them, well, look, whether you think that's good or not, we have to obey God and we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And, and see, what I'm really up for here in North Lakes is to see the things that we see in here ramp up. Yeah? You know, I remember, I'll never forget this, as long as I live. We were in a, in a church in Penrith. And there was a man came out, responded to the altar call, and he came out and he had, um, you know, uh, those kind of f- walking things, and it's got four prongs, like four things down the bottom. He had one of those on one arm. Whatever was wrong with that side, it needed four things, so it must have been pretty bad. And on this side, he had one of those crutches where the thing came around the top of his forearm. And that's how we got out. It took him a long time to get out the front, I've got to tell you. Anyway, um, we, Pastor Gordon Gibbs was there and he prayed for this guy and he was just like, it's like the Holy Spirit fell on him like a sandbag. He just, he didn't fall backwards. He didn't do the, you know, he just did the collapse and on the ground. And he was on the ground for 45 minutes. And, you know, I kept watching him because he was kind of moving and twitching and I'm thinking, wow, something's happened to this guy. And then I went home, you know, like you. Never thought about it again. Till the following week. And, and Gordon said, we've got someone here who wants to give a testimony. And this guy runs up, jumps up on stage and goes. And then I realised, it's the same guy. It's the guy that was on the ground. And he began to give a testimony about how his life was a mess. He had suicidal thoughts. He, he, his marriage was just about to break down because of all the, the trouble he was in. And, uh, and, and this week, uh, you know, he, he just kind of got back to his wife and, and it was a different guy. And it's like, I still tell that story. I'd like it to be a little bit more recent, like, you know, last Sunday. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I could live with that. And then nine months later, they had twins. And their their whole life was restored. Come on, Jesus. Amen? I want to see some of that. Okay, next one. Momentum can only be built from what is happening, not what isn't. About 1995, we took over the church at Glendale, Lake Macquarie Christian Fellowship. And at that time, God was doing some things and there was kind of revival meetings happening here, there and everywhere. And we went down to, um, we went down to uh, Mount Annan and there was a bit of a revival there and, and Pastor Adrian Gray was preaching. And he'd constantly be talking about the revival that's happening. And I'd be looking around and I'd be going, yeah, no, it's good, but it's not that great. 
you know, you're, you're building this up bigger than it was. And this went on for several weeks. And one day I was just kind of praying to the Holy Spirit about it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you can only build momentum on what's happening. You can't build momentum from what's not, not happening. So we can't build momentum. We can have a desire and a dream to see something happen. But momentum can only build on what's happening. So we don't despise the day of small beginnings. We may not see a guy with crutches today, but I'll settle for a cold getting better today, yeah? And, and let's work up from there. Who, who do, we, do we pray for? So I'm, I'm going to settle for Steve getting good, re, good results at his medical. Can, can we agree on that? And uh, see, what happens is momentum builds. And as we, as we see these things happening, as you begin to talk tentatively about Jesus and get a good response, aren't you more encouraged to do it again and again? And all of a sudden, momentum starts to build. Yeah? And, and, all, and before we know it, there's cancers getting healed, lame people are walking, and, and we go, yeah, yeah, it happened again on Sunday. We've got to do something interesting. I'm sick of all these lame people getting healed and the dead being raised. It's really annoying. Next one. I'm running out of time. So uh, what we need to do is engage the X4 model. So the X4 model is, God, we know what we need to see, but we're not seeing it. So will you stretch out your hand and do it? Will you stretch out your hand and do it? Now, for some of you, this may be the first time you've ever had to pray that prayer. But I know that there's some of us in the congregation who have prayed this prayer at several times in our life. And here we are again facing that same dilemma, God, would you move? God, would you move? And so they began to pray and then God moved. And so let's, let's go to the next one. And this is, this is where I wanted to finish today. Habakkuk's writing and he said, Lord, we've heard of your fame and we stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Would you repeat them again in our day? Would you repeat them again in our day? Who's ever seen God heal someone in your past experience? I remember being at Bible college holding a guy's hand that was crippled like this and all the students got round and prayed for him and as we prayed for him, God hit him, he shook and his hand straightened out. Now, that hasn't happened every day since then. In fact, it hasn't happened once since then. And so I'm, I'm up for this. God, repeat him in our day. Lord, repeat them in our day. Here at North Lakes, would you repeat it in our day? Would you, would you do the awesome things that we read about in the Scriptures in our day? Because we want to be witnesses to what we've seen and heard. Okay. Okay, next one. Is that it? That's it. We're finished. Well, we're not. We're only just getting started. Could we stand? I'm going to get the band to come back. We're going to sing that refrain. Um, I've seen you move, move the mountains. Would you do it again? But I want to ask you to do one thing today. There is a, there's a secret to this, and I haven't had time to unpack it. I'm just going to say it to you. We've talked about it before, so it's not, it's not new. The secret to this is yielding. Yeah? Yielding. In between the faith and the field... There's the need to yield. See, if we don't yield, then we don't really have faith. 
for the Holy Spirit to touch. And what I want to ask you today is I want to ask you to commit to something, not just a moment like today, but I'm talking about over the next few weeks as we unpack this for you. Would you commit with me to yield to the Holy Spirit? Would you commit with me to say, Holy Spirit, I am not seeing that in my life. Here I am. Here I am today, Lord. You, you gave me a promise that I would receive power when your Spirit came upon me. Here I am today, Holy Spirit. Fill me again. Fill me again. See, that's not a bad prayer to pray. The disciples prayed it in Acts twice. Well, they, they got it once and then they prayed it again in Acts chapter 4. But when, when Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word there is present tense, continuous. It's be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to do it because we leak, folks. We leak. We, we, it just pours out of us. So we need to be filled again. So here's my, here's my request. Would you be willing to say yes to God today and yield to the Holy Spirit? And say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We can play church. We know how to do that. We can get the musicians up. They can play. We can talk about the Bible. We can shake hands. We can eat carrot sticks and go home and call it church. But we want to do more than that. God, we want to see our community turn to the Lord. We want to see our relatives come to know Jesus. And so, God, we yield. Holy Spirit, we yield to you today. We yield today. 